0: Oh, sorry, Anna. Go the bunnies! Yes, go the bunnies. Uh, good morning and welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Andy, and uh, the, the pastor here, and it's a delight for us to be together here. And uh, delight to see uh, familiar faces and uh, some new faces. This morning, I've got to run off to our uh, sister church at uh, Maroubra. So we're part of kind of two churches, two locations. Uh, so after I preach, I won't get to hang around and say hello. Uh, But I will be here next week and it would be great to you guys can all chat and get to know each other after our time together. Uh, Why don't I pray uh, while the kids get their packs and we get settled. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be able to gather this morning. Uh, We're so thankful for your word. And Father, we pray that we might be those who uh, listen, that we might be those who think rightly about your world, the world we live in, think rightly about ourselves, and that we might be uh, convinced of you and your goodness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are doing a little bit of a different series at the moment. We normally kind of work our way through books. Uh, As Andrew has said, we are doing a Questions for God series. Uh, And we're doing this series because we're convinced that Christianity holds water. That is, we're convinced that it's true. And so it means, like David the psalmist, that we can actually ask our questions and uh, they will hold up. Now, this morning's question is, is Christianity against diversity? Now, diversity is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? It seems to be everywhere, Uh, and I'm not sure if you ever thought that, if you kind of look around our church and think, surely it can't be that against diversity. We're quite a diverse bunch here. Uh, But when we say diversity, what do we mean? Well, diversity really just means differentness. But I think what's kind of behind this diversity question is we actually think um, perhaps Christianity, we mean accepting and welcoming people from different, you know, those who are different to us. And I think it's in that sense that this question is asked and uh, where Christianity kind of questioned about its diversity. Uh, about a month ago, I was paving at the front of our house um, and a neighbour was walking their dog, and I hadn't met this neighbour yet, and they stopped and they asked me, you know, are you a paver? And I was like, can't you tell? Obviously not. Um, But I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just actually a pastor of a local church down the road. And then her next question was, are you progressive? And I was kind of like, okay. I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, do you accept all people? I was kind of, I was a bit taken back by that. I was like, of course we accept all people. You know, you know of course. Uh, of course we do. Now, she turns out she's a journalist and had done a bit of research and there was this, you know, narrative that I think she's kind of getting at that she's heard about the church or this perception that we don't accept and welcome all people, uh, that we're different. So, you know, if you're thinking about diversity, it could be at this kind of personal level that we don't accept those that are different to us. Uh, But also, Christianity, um, you know, at a belief level, believes and proclaims that there's only one way to God. Uh, And so, you know, people will say, well, that's disrespectful and unloving towards those other religions who believe other things. Uh, You know, and so you'll say, well, Christianity can't be diverse and welcoming because it doesn't welcome all these other beliefs as true. I think... You know, there's a third layer as we think about this diversity question, uh, which is the, the idea that Christianity is kind of um, a Western religion. I don't know if you've kind of heard that narrative. Uh, and, and really the issue with it is that at times, uh, Westerners look, look like me, white and Anglo and male, uh, have often oppressed other ra- racial and cultural background people other than welcoming and accepting them. Uh, I just raise these things because I think this question, it can go in so many different ways and there's lots of layers to it. The one I want to look at this morning is this last one. Like, is, you know, Christianity just a Western, you know, religion? Uh, And the issue with this question and for us here in Australia is really the first settlers, isn't it? The Indigenous Australians. I have a photo here. Does anyone know who this man is? No. No guesses. Anyone? Uh, he's Reverend William Walker. Oh, and a nose. Yeah. Uh, well, he he was the first um, official missionary appointed to reach Australian Aboriginal people. Okay, Indigenous Australian. Uh, he was a Methodist minister from England. He came to Australia in 1821, so about 222 years ago, uh, and the official documents read, you know, recorded that he was here to, for mission for the black natives of New South Wales. He landed on the 16th of September, uh, only 21 years old. His mission only lasted three or four years. Now, The reality for us here as we reflect on his approach is that the way he viewed mission uh, and what he thought coming here to reach these people is kind of awkward and wrong for us today okay so he he's the way they viewed it was quite negative so uh, many people around william walker's time thought that if your skin color was black or african that you were part of the descendants of ham Now this is a a long history but Abraham had sons and one of them was cursed by God and so essentially they believed that white colour skin was superior uh, to the black colour skin. That was a thought that was going around. Um, Horrific today, yes. Uh, Secondly, they also believed that you couldn't uh, wander around and be a Christian. Uh, William Walker wrote this, he said, Aboriginals had this senselessly bigoted attachment to land which they itinerated. So he's got, he's got a real issue with their way of life. Uh, the third thing he talks about for his mission approach, he said, it's, it's the best to focus on Aboriginal children. Uh, why? Because it's easy to teach them English. So rather than missionaries learning uh, another language and learning their language, uh, he thought, well, let's just teach the kids how to speak our language. So, to sum up, is this a positive experience, a positive approach? Is anyone liking his approach? No, it's, it's horrific. You know, he's essentially thought they're not as good as British people. Uh, he thought you'd have to become like us as uh, Western Christians and that they've got to speak our language. Now, this view was shared by numerous other people of those days, but it's it's a, a historical fact of this is what happened in our history and it's very awkward and uncomfortable. And it's important for us just to acknowledge that uh, and really to point out that this is wrong and it was a mistake that we made in our past, not to brush it under the carpet, uh, but it's quite embarrassing. Now. I raise that kind of topic because for many people, it's not just a question that's come out of nowhere, Uh, it's a question that has real people in the experience of missionaries, uh, which can be seen as, you know, Westerners trying to civilize groups according to their backgrounds and ideas. So the question is, is Christianity against diversity at a cultural level? Uh, I want to explore this today, but I want to look at the whole facts of history, look at the facts that we have together and then I want to kind of consider why has Krishna had this effect on the world? So the, the, first, thing, the first thing he wants to do is, can you see this map? I have a map. Uh, this is a map of, well it's not quite a map, it's an infograph of the world's major religions, right? So what we have there is, uh, you know, each circle represents a country. Uh, you know, some of them are bigger than others, you know, India and China, they're doing really well. Can you see Australia? Uh, It's just there, and it's bigger than New Zealand, which I'm happy about. Um, Now, so that's the size, so the size of the circle represents countries, the size of the population Uh, and then you have this proportion of each circle, which kind of represent what religion they affiliate with, okay? Uh, And so, the blue, you can see that's kind of what Around the world, people are from different countries. You can see the blue colour, that's those who affiliate with Christianity from around the world. Um, you know, And you can see that it's, it's quite spread, isn't it? I, I don't know if you find that interesting. So you've kind of got it all the way in the States, Europe, Africa, not as much, India, but you can still see it in India, Pakistan, China, and down through the Philippines and Asia. Uh, now, I feel like this map makes an inter- interesting point for us is that Christianity is actually quite diverse in that it's gone around the whole world uh, and that people from all different cultures and nations uh, have aligned themselves with Christianity. It's actually represented on here on every continent. Now, I think you can notice the significance of what this map shows us by looking at the difference between. Uh, other major religions. See in India the dark orange there, uh, that's Hindu, Hinduism, uh, and it is where it's just primarily in India and a tiny bit to the north, like Nepal and Bangladesh. Uh, then we also, it's, it's quite localised. Uh, the same is for Islam, you kind of got it in the, the 2040 uh, window there across the middle. Uh, it's, it's, it is spread laterally, but it is quite localised. Now, I just bring this map because I think the facts of history, of what people are lying to, kind of tell us a different story to what the narrative that we hear in the media. And now I have some stats for you. 88% of all Muslims live in the Middle East, Africa or South Asia. So only 4% live in Europe, North America or China. 98% of all Hindus live in South Asia so 98%, and 88% of all Buddhists, that's the lighter orange, uh, live in East Asia. Major religions, all very localised. But Christianity, as you can see from the map, is very different. 25% live in Europe, 25% live in Central and South America, 22% in Africa, 15% uh, in, and growing in Asia, and 12-15% to 15% in North America. So in terms of, it's it's quite spread out, isn't it? I find that very interesting. Uh, There's a guy, uh, Professor Richard Borkham, I've got a picture of his, next one. Uh, He's a professor of history, and he says, almost certainly Christianity exhibits more cultural diversity than any other religion, and that must say something about it. It might be a mute point for us sitting here, but it's a point worth making, isn't it? Uh, it's significantly diverse and across every culture almost. Now, I think if we're here and we've read the beginning of the Christian story, it shouldn't surprise us. Because right as Christianity kind of starters starts, it is very diverse. Uh, we see that. Uh, as we look at the early church now I want us to have a look at that there's many places we see this but I want to have a look at a place uh, the account the historical account of the early church in Antioch Uh, here's a map of where we are in the world Uh, so Antioch is we've got the circle there Uh, it was kind of a cosmopolitan city uh, and the leadership this is the first church outside of Jerusalem so Christianity started in Jerusalem this is the first kind of recording of the church outside of Jerusalem and it was planted as uh, people fled from Jerusalem, so they fled north, they fled the persecution, Uh, and here we have Jews, Jewish people, and non-Jews, the Gentiles, in church together. Uh, If you've got a Bible, have a look at Acts 13, but I just want us to notice just how diverse the leadership in this church is. Acts 13, we get an account of it. Uh, It will come up on the screen, Acts 13, it says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now what's interesting for us as we think about the history and as the church began, is all these people so firstly you've got Barnabas now he's a kind of classic uh, insider he's a classic Jewish person a Levite from Cyprus uh, you know he's kind of grown up in the Jewish system but he's, he's gone north secondly you've got Simeon now Simeon he's a dark-skinned North African proselyte to Judaism uh, he's there as part of this leadership team uh, it's likely that this is the Simeon that carried the cross of, of Jesus. Uh, the third person we have there is Lucius of Cyrene. Now, he's probably not African. People think but, but maybe a Greco-Roman background, uh, but he's from Africa. And then fourthly, you've got Manian. So Mannion's the, the other person in this church. Uh, he was brought up with Herod, you know, Herod, the one that beheaded John the Baptist, uh, and that with there it's it's he's like the foster brother of Herod so he he grew up in the palace in Herod's palace and now this person he's a follower of Jesus part of the early church and lastly we got mentioned Saul Uh, Saul uh, if you're familiar with Christianity born in Tarsus he was a Jew a lot of the New Testament writings uh, he wrote he was a devout Jew that hated Christianity Uh, he persecuted them but when he met the risen Lord Jesus Uh, he converts to Christianity and becomes a follower of Jesus. Now, I just want to raise that because if you look at the history, the map current, map, look at the early church, uh, who was there, you've got these five groups of people represent and symbolise a massive cultural diversity, uh, which is present in the church right from the very beginning. You could not get a more diverse group, you know, racial, economic status, socially. Uh, yet, all Christians, all part of this church. I mean, it's, I reflected this week on who is here at, um, at St. Matt's. Uh, I, I did a quick list uh, of people that turn up. So we've got people from Switzerland, Indonesia, England, Scotland, Malaysia, South Korea, India, China, Malaysia, I've said Malaysia twice, there you go. No, Mongolia is the one I was thinking. Russian, Philippines, Hong Kong, Lebanon, have I missed any? I think my point is this right, contrary to what the media might have us believe, uh, is the facts of history, what we have around the world, the early church, actually show a Christianity that has reached a diverse group of people, and it's so inclusive and welcoming from people from all around the world, which makes it very unique among all the religions. And so we have to ask the question, I think, is how, how is this possible? Why has Christianity taken root across all these continents and amongst all different people? Uh, I've got two things I want us to reflect as we consider that. The first thing is Christianity uh, never kind of claimed to be a tribal, localised religion. But it actually always gave a common account of humanity to a common ancestor. Uh, And so I have another passage. This is Paul. He's speaking to a group of people in Athens, in Greece. uh, And he says this to them. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it. Now that's an assumption about the world, which Christianity has, that God created it. uh, Being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him yet He is actually not far from each one of us do you hear kind of what Paul his account of the diversity and where it's come from he's saying that there's this one true God who made the world and he made every person in the world, and he made every nationality and culture and determined where people would live. And he's saying we can trace all our different cultural backgrounds to the one man. Uh, The significant thing about Christianity is God places uh, all humanity as equal. We're all created in that one man and we come from him, but we're diverse but he made us diverse and different. That's because God caused the different nations and cultures uh, to come out what language, what their heart language would be uh, and where they would live. Why has he done that? You see that at the end in sentence 27, it's in order that they might seek God, that they might find their creator and maker. Now this point is significant to me because I think if Christianity were true, then you would expect that its message about uh, humanity and about God would be relevant and appealing to every human. And so what we're seeing out, playing out in history, in Christianity, you know, in the infograph, is that here is a message that is reaching and people are aligning themselves with it across all different countries and nations and people groups. I find that compelling. I don't know about you. I mean, I talk to my brother in law who lives, he's Indian, he lives in just south of Delhi, and he can hear about Jesus, hear about Christianity, and think, this is for me. Uh, it speaks accurately into my world and my worldview. Or our Muslim friends can hear about Jesus and think, oh, this is a word for me, uh, just as much as a white Anglo. See, my point is simple that Christianity gives an account of history, or how we see it, of equal humanity but different coming from the one man and that god is behind it now have you thought um, that as a christian christians follow uh, a middle eastern man right that's who we follow that's uh, jesus Uh, yet unlike most of the other religions uh, you don't have to be middle eastern to be christian Uh, this uh, was raised to me in the park a few years ago. I was chatting to Muhammad, and he said, lovingly, he said, the problem you have in your religion is you don't follow the book. You know, in the, in the day of the book, the woman would have been wearing head coverings. Uh, you don't even speak their language. Uh, and he said, you know, you, don't, you follow a different Jesus to the one that they had back then. See, what is it about Christianity that enables people to follow a Middle Eastern man yet not have to be Middle Eastern, yet allows it to be expressed in different cultures. Well, this is the next point I want to reflect on, uh, which I think is why we see such diversity in Christianity. It's because at the heart of Christianity, it's a message of grace, not works. I think it's at this point that it sets us apart from other religions. I see central to the Christian message is the way you know God, it's about what he has done for you. It's about how, how you relate and in relationship with God. It's about what he has done for you, not about what you do for him or please or satisfy him. See, Christianity isn't a bunch of kind of, you know, a punch list of do's and don'ts. You, know, you don't have to do your five prayers every day. You don't have to go to confession and baptism and avoid the carnal sins or do the ceremonies or the traditions and the festivals. Actually, what you do to get right with God is about grace, it's about what God has done for you. Uh, The passage we read out, um, I'm not sure if you're thinking, what on earth has this got to do with diversity? Uh, It kind of gets to the heart of this issue. Uh, Jesus kind of pulls the rug out of approach where you do certain things uh, to be right with God. Because the the reason Jesus gives us is because all the religion does doesn't actually change or affect the heart. So have a look at Mark chapter 7. Here Jesus, he says uh, to the Jewish leaders, are you also without understanding? I mean, they're trying to get him to abide by their rituals uh, and washing and etc. He says, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean, and he said... What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He's saying the problem with religion, like a works-based religion, is it actually has no effect on changing the heart. It actually has no effect on changing the very thing that is actually common to all people everywhere. See, Jesus uh, says that our heart is a problem. That actually it's in our hearts that we are defiled, that we are unclean, that before God. Now you might be here this morning thinking, I mean you are here if I'm talking to you, uh, but you might be here and thinking, I don't really have a heart problem. You know, this just, I've got different things where my circumstance I was brought up with and, you know, what my parents are like, I've kind of inherited about that. But Jesus would say to us, say to you, uh, well, just have a look at what comes out. Just for a week, think about what comes out of your mouth, your actions and your heart. I don't really have time to convince you that you have a heart problem, but I think if you ask anyone you live with, do I have a heart problem? I'm pretty sure they're going to say, well, Maybe there's something not quite right there. Uh, And not because I know you, but just because I know my own heart. Uh, But this Jesus kind of assessment of humanity is that we all, no matter where you're from, have this problem, uh, this heart problem, and it can't be fixed by religion. It can't be fixed by external particularities. Uh, What he's saying is, you know, I I have an old land cruiser uh, that's old, that's getting rust, and It's coming up everywhere, right? And it just keeps popping up. But he's saying it's no point kind of painting over the rust. You actually need someone to cut it out. You actually need someone to remove, remove it. You need a panel beater. See, there's no point, you know, covering up skin cancer with foundation. You need a doctor to cut it out. There's no point for Jesus ignoring our heart problem and just trying to cover it up with religion. Uh, The problem goes far deeper than any external traditions and ceremonies can solve. And the solution that Jesus offers is grace. Uh, It's an undeserved gift. It's not works of religion. Uh, He says, no matter who you are, where you're from, what cultural background you have, he says, your problem is too far gone to do anything on yourself. But I can do something for it. I can give you a new heart. I can cleanse you from the inside I can forgive you and he does that by offering Himself his death on the cross his his life death and resurrection in our place for us I mean at heart this is the gospel of grace that is offered to everyone Uh, it's it's an offer of a clean heart freely available to all peoples see how is it that Christianity is has spread and is so diverse as we look at the facts of history well I think it's because We all come from a common ancestor. We all have a common heart problem. But the way that Christianity uniquely deals with our problem is he fixes it by grace, not works. It's through Jesus who is able to forgive our hearts. And that's why it kind of works. And that's uh, why Christianity has spread, in in my opinion, amongst a bunch of other things. Now, this kind of expresses itself differently in different cultures. Uh, one, of the th- one of the things um, that, uh, I've got a, here we go, here's a slide. I've got a, a picture for you. Here's Laman, I don't know how to pronounce it, Senna? I didn't, I didn't listen. Anyway, he's an African scholar. Uh, he, he, uh, he actually passed away in 2019. Uh, he grew up in Africa uh, and he uh, grew up as an Islam, but he converted to Christianity. Uh, He then became a teacher and professor at Yale University, and he's got this kind of profound teaching and research in the area of Christianity and culture. Uh, He wrote the book, Whose Religion is Christianity? Uh, In his book, he kind of has a go at white Westerners who assume that Christianity is theirs. Uh, He says, for him as an African, it is the heart of arrogance and pride to say that Christianity belongs to the West, but not to Africans. You know, he's like, how dare you say that? Uh, He's tired of people saying, you Christian mustn't impose your culture on other people. You mustn't try and convert Africans because you are destroying their culture. He's saying that that's the height of arrogance and pride to say that. Now, how he does does that, he kind of says that every culture, every people group has a kind of baseline narrative about how it sees the world. Uh, For him, in African culture, he has a spiritual worldview, which is filled with spiritual forces and dark spiritual forces. And he says, as he met Jesus, as he met the gospel of grace, he found that Jesus and Christianity actually address their need profoundly. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of the tribal culture. He said, Africans don't need the secularism of the West. They don't need their materialistic view. I mean, the answers they would give to him would just to be laugh at them and say there's no such thing as this spiritual world that you speak of. But he says, no, Christianity is so profoundly unique and that it doesn't mock them, it actually gives them the answer and helps them to become renewed Africans not remade Europeans. He's saying the gospel of grace doesn't just belong to a particular group or particular culture, but actually profoundly speaks into all cultures uh, because it's the gospel that actually changes hearts and enables people to live in their context knowing God. Uh, It's this where my friend Muhammad got it wrong, isn't it? He hasn't understood grace. He hasn't said it's not about our externalities, our clothing and what we wear. It's actually about being in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, this is where early settlement got it wrong in Australia, isn't it? Reverend uh, you know, William confused Christianity with Western culture. Missionaries have done this in the past, and we've got to repent of that and learn how to understand how the gospel of grace affects all peoples and all nations. See, Christianity doesn't require you to become a settled farmer. What does it require? It requires you to admit that you have a heart problem, to come to Jesus to be cleansed, and to turn to him and receive that grist of grace. You can still be a Christian and be a nomad. Um, so if, you, if you're here and you care about Christianity, sorry, if you care about diversity, I'm going to say don't dismiss Christianity. I actually think, and the facts I think of history show it to be the most diverse multi-ethnic movement in all of history and it makes sense when you understand the message behind it is a message of grace. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father we're so thankful that we have received the message of grace here. We thank you that it's taken root and that it's also gone around the world and Father that message of a heart problem and the way to fix it is Uh, not by externalities and religion, uh, but by turning to Jesus does resonate true for everyone, no matter where we're from. And Father, we pray that we might be able to receive Jesus and express this uh, in our time here and in our cultural way, in a way that's honouring to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.